Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Here on Nishmas Ruzlin, Bas Ezra. Beginning of the new Chumash, we embark on the Chumash of numbers, as it's known in English. Which is interesting. I don't know if you touch, if you translate Deuteronomy as Devarim. Beratius is Genesis. Shemais is Exodus. Again, not the translation of the word at all. Shmeis talks about Gulas Mitzrayim, talks about the going out of the going into and then going out of the exile of Mitzrayim, and therefore gets the name Exodus, I guess. Vayikra, I don't even know what Leviticus means, but um, maybe it has to do with Levi. And since it's dealing with karbanis, sacrifices, so that's your uh, Leviticus part of Levi. Perhaps. Bamidbar, um, literal translation, is the desert. In the desert. And yet, Seif is called Numbers. What is the numbers? The numbers is because in the beginning of the Chumash, Hakadosh Baruch Hu sees to it to count the Jews. There are numerous times that the Jews were counted. We'll talk about it soon. Yet, Why does Hakadosh Baruch Hu continue to count the Jews? Think about, <laughs> they say in America, what's in your wallet? Think about what's in your wallet, how many times you've counted what's in your wallet. Or rethought, or rehashed, you didn't take it out necessarily, you counted it because you don't have iron heart on it, so you didn't count it per se, but you thought about what I have in my wallet, if I could spend, if I can, can't spend, if I can go out, if I can, whatever I can do. So, a person tends to check their numbers. Numbers that are important to them. If a person has quote-unquote portfolios with their bitcoins and with their stocks and with their investments, they're constantly checking, constantly counting. Now, unfortunately, the reason that they monitor it they don't want to have someone be losing anything. So they want to make sure they're covered. They want to make sure that if has to the stock goes down, or something goes down, that they have what they... They don't lose what they invested. If, however... Totally the bottom. 
If, however, their money is growing, that's what their pleasure is all about. They want to make sure that the money is growing, something that's important to you, something that's valuable to you. You want to make sure it's growing. You want to make sure you're expanding. So too, Farakadosh Baruch Hu, the Yidin, had the Yidin counted over and over because they were so valuable to him. And therefore, the Sefer, Cheda, acquires its name as Numbers. Although, why I have to translate, why I have to interpret, why I have to spend time on it, Terashir, explaining what the English names for Chumash are, I don't know. But, the fact is though, that there is a, na- a name that's given to it, that's a worldwide accepted name. And the Cheda, if we could find the actual reason for it, and we can explain the actual reason for it, because the Chavivim of Israel, the endearment of Yidin, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in that they are counted repeatedly because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to make sure everybody, each and every Jew, and to show each and every Jew how each and every fellow Jew counts the value of each and every Jew. And therefore, perhaps, I'm saying, perhaps the book was given the name Numbers. The Shabbos, the Shabbos Shemavarch Machedish Sivan. Sivan is known as the Chedish Ashlishi. It's the third month from the month of Nisan. We're also coming towards the end of Svira Saimer. The end of Svira Saimer means that we've counted from Pesach. Shavuos, which means we are now prepared or been preparing throughout and we're almost ready for Matan Torah for receiving the Torah again which is what Chedesh Shivan represents as the Yarchet Lisoi in the third month is given to the third the nation of Triple of Kayanim, the Vim Yisraelim, three types of Jews. The Teda, which has Edus Chukim and Mishpatim, and therefore the nation who has the three Aves, the three forefathers, and the Schus Aves Messiahitim. And the merit of our forefathers always helps them. And therefore, on this month, we are given the Teda. Again, interconnecting the numbers of the three with the Teda, with the receiving of the Teda. The valuable commodity <laughs> noted as a commodity noted as, a, as an asset noted as whatever you want to call it the most valuable thing that we have 
hopefully next week's year although Bimilashev Brachis we'll talk about Shavuos itself Matan as next Shabbos will be Shavuos as well in in Chutz Laretz for right now we talk once again about the preparations and we know that Chumash Bamidbar a very interesting question was brought up the other day it's coming Shabbos we name Bamidbar the following Shabbos we're going to read Shabbos Yomtev which Shavuos the second day Shavuos in Chutzlaret however in Israel, since there's only one day Yomtev they're going to lane Nasi. And we're going to be separated. So the common question is why did Etzisrael not lane last week only Bahar? And this week read only Bukhukhaisai. And next Shabbos read Bamidbar, so that the following Shabbos we will all be together with Nasi. Why do we separate the Jewish nation? in such a way and then we play catch up later by Matan Smasei so that there are weeks that the Eden in the Yitzhak the Eden and the Chutzahs are not reading the same Pasha the question is better that halachically the person that comes for Shuas from Yitzhak to America on Shabbos will have to hear the Kriya of Nasai. So if he doesn't, of Nasi, if he doesn't, then he'll never hear it, because when he gets back to Israel, he will have missed it. They've learned it. So there's a special meaning that he had made for the Kriya of Nasai. What exactly the ramifications, the halachically, if they make seven aliyahs, if they just read a second as a maftir to the first one, it's not even a negat our shir. It's I'm sure a halachic uh, discourse in its own right. And then again, the dateline, people across the dateline, what day will become shuas? The shuas be a day earlier, a day later. My own children that traveled from the other end of the world. To be to partake in our matchim, our upcoming wedding next week, they uh, also came from Australia, New Zealand, and therefore have to get back before Shavuos so that they can keep Shavuos at its regular day. Teda is a commodity. Teda is a very valuable thing. He once asked a Russian peasant, Slushne, listen, if you had, this is when the time of the Tsar, when the Tsar was very, very, very strong and powerful and 
total total sovereignty. If you had a million ruble, what would you do? If I had a million ruble, I would give it to the Tsar. Ha, such a loyal subject. And if you had a full flock of sheep, what would you do? If I had a full flock of sheep, I would give it to the Tsar. And if you had a full field of 50 acres with stalks of wheat and grapes and vineyards and everything else, what would you do? He said, I would give it to the Tsar. And if you had two chickens, what would you do? I would keep them. Huh? I would keep them for me, for my family. Why? Why what? Why the chickens all of a sudden you would keep and everything else you'd give away to the Tsar? The riches... Hi, laughs the Russian peasant. If I would have a million ruble, if I would have a flock, if I would have fields, if I would have vineyards, if, 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 it doesn't affect me whatsoever, I'd give it to the Tsar, no problem. Chickens, I have two chickens. I'm not giving them away. That's mine. The Rashivas of the Tera, the value of Tera, is one that a Jew says, this is my Tera. What does that mean? Where does it go? How does it come? You have rabbis, sages, that sit and study 18, 19 hours a day. And they've been through tractates and tractates of Talmud. And they've been through Zohar and Medrash and, and, and Shulchan Aruch and Nidrashim and whatever you could think of they've learned. They're at a special, special level. Then you have the layman that struggles reading olive base. Struggles with the olive base. Whether it be a man or a woman. But they persevere. And they make sure they're saying their study, their Torah study for the day, whether it be Chitas, whether it be Rambam, whether they're reading it from a Chayenu, whether they're reading it from an English Chumash, from an English Tanya, from wherever it may be. But they're persevering and doing this every single day. Because the Torah is as valuable to them in their capacity as that of the Talmud Chacham, the great sage that sits and studies and that works, toils with Torah day and night. It's Torah. And therefore, this is my Torah. Would I care to expound on everything that I've learned in my life and teach it to everyone that I can get my hands on? Some people would say yes. 
Some people would say, I worked so hard on my tater. It's my tater. I'm not going to bother them. I don't want to be disturbed by other people. I want to continue learning. There's so much more to learn still. Tater is, is, is endless. To say I've learned it all doesn't even doesn't even touch the iceberg. The tip of the iceberg. Between the Talmud and its commentaries, between Chumash and Rashi and its commentaries, between Novi, between Mishnayis and its commentaries. It's enough to keep a person busy pretty much for a lifetime. Never mind going through Shulchan Aruch and all its Neisikalim and all its commentaries, so we say, on Shulchan Aruch. So the Taylor studying is not vast and it's not beyond beyond our grasp. Each and every person grasps Taylor in its in their their capacity. And therefore, as long as you're doing yours, you're doing it right. The question is if you apply the Torah to your daily life, if you apply it in a way that you live by it, that one sees on you the study of Torah. And wherein does that lie? Wherein do we find the epitome or the exemplary application of Torah learning, Torah studies. We find that in our middays, in our behavioral, mostly mostly between friend, a person and another. Man and a man, a woman and a woman. They tell a story the difference between Sadiqim and Gehenim, Sadiqim and Rishayim, up, up above. Sadiqim go to Ganeiden and Rishayim, unfortunately, go to Gehenim. A, f- a phenomenon, or a. what, how to phrase it? A strange picture was depicted. to a fellow, showing them the difference between Gehenim and Ganeidim. In both, there was a long table. In both, the table was laden with beautiful, beautiful specialities of food. In both, People were sitting on the opposite sides of the tables, across from each other. And in both, they had long forks. When you have a very long fork, and you put your fork into the food, you try to get it into your mouth, it doesn't go. The fork's too long. 
they were glued to the seats practically, they were stuck to the seats. They could not move. They could only take the hand movement so far. But that plate was on the other end of the table. So they could not reach. They could reach their food with the fork, because it was a long fork, but they could not get it into their mouth. So the fellow looking at this picture says, this is Gehenim. Yes, it is. This is Gehenim. They're suffering by looking at all this delectable food and knowing they cannot get it into their mouth. So he comes to the other table and he says, so how, does this, how then does this table Gan Eden? Ha! He says, watch. And a bell goes off or a sound goes off and it's time to eat and they all make brachas. Each one puts their fork into the food and feeds the one across the table. And they feed each other because they can reach their fork. They could put their fork into their mouth. The Russia doesn't fargin the other person to have food. I won't eat, but you're not eating either. And the tzaddik says, es, es, let me give you, let me give you. I am benefiting because you're giving me as well. That was not my intention. My intention is to make sure that you have what to eat. Tate is the exact same thing. We can have the person that amasses tremendous amount of Tate knowledge, but refuses to share. And says, this is my Tate, I worked on it, I toiled for this. I don't need to tell it to anybody else, I don't need anyone else to, to, to learn from me, I don't need anyone else to be from me. And then we have the Yid that says... I learned the entire olive base. I know how to read all the letters. I see a yid that doesn't know how to read any yet. Come, let me teach him olive. Let me teach him base. Oh, you have the yid that knows what there is to teach. And says, let me impart. Let me give my terrible knowledge that I amassed. And not think to it, Oh, how much I invested into this, how much time I put into this, and now this person is going to hear all that in one minute, all that in one hour. How do I live with that? How do I forgive this person to get away with that? This is the beauty of Teda. The Teda that we are given, the Teda that we receive on Chagashuas. Pashba Midbar, to an, an answer of the question before, why did Etzisrael not read last week only Bahar and read this week Bukhukhesai? And next Shabbos Bamidbar, so that we would all be together the following Shabbos. First of all, you're still separating us. If we read last week Bahar Bukhukhesai, and they only read Bahar, and this week they read Bukhukhesai, we read Bamidbar, we're not together. What have you accomplished? Still not together. For, I'll bait for one Shabbos, for two Shabbos. 
Because this Shabbos will read Bamidbar, they read Bukhese, and next Shabbos they read Bamidbar, we'll read Yamtiv. And the following Shabbos we go back to Nasi together. It doesn't go that way. Why? Because Bamidbar has always read the Shabbos before Shavuos. In that case, there must be a preparation in Pashas Bamidbar for Chagashvuas. Every year, Chag HaShavuot, we receive the Torah once again. We renew our vows to the Torah. Therefore, it's a definite thing that the preparation for receiving of the Torah once again needs to be in a way just like Pachaja, similar to the first time the Torah was given. What was the most profound preparation? What was the most pertinent preparation the Jews made before Matan Torah? Shalim and Achdus. Peace and unity. As we learn from the Pasuk, Vayichan Sham Yisrael Neged Hahar. And he rested the Jewish nation there by the mountain. It does not say Vayachanu, they rested, it says he rested, singular. In the beginning of the Pasuk, it talks about when they traveled, it says Vayisu Mirfidim, Vayachanu Bamidbar. They all journeyed and they all traveled and they all stopped, they all rested. And yet here it says, Vayichan Yisrael Neged Ahar. Singular. What does it say, singular form? The singular format, Vayichan rather than Vayachnu. This implies that the Jews were Keish Echod, Velev Echod. They were in a unity, one of a kind. Therefore, the Medish says, the truth is that the truth is that the whole intention of taking them out of Mitzrayim was to give them the Torah. So technically, all the HaKadosh Baruch should give them the Torah so they got out of Mitzrayim. In Mitzrayim, decadence and the impurity and the Avedizara. Okay. But as soon as they got out of Mitzrayim, they should have got the Torah. Elamai, at the time, unfortunately, there were still several different opinions amongst people. When they came to Sinai, at that point, that juncture, they were all on one page. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, the Teda is complete, is a whole entity, a whole entity of beauty and of peace and tranquility. Who then shall I give it to if a nation is not united, is not all one? And therefore, I wait 
I anticipate when the nation unites. But an interesting, not play on words, but an interesting way the Tater puts it. It wasn't just that the Jews were united, they were neged hohor. The unity around the mountain of Sinai This is what the terror depicts and calls and now is going to impart Tera Mitzvahs in that the Jewish nation is united through Tera. And this is a true and perpetual unity. And this obviously brings down many blessings, much shefa from above. The kayak of unity, of this great powerful unity, the strength of this, is perhaps we can grasp, understand this with with all that we have even if it was a negative unity and we see back the unity of the Dera Flug unfortunately they all had one language they all had one goal to build the tower to fight with God entire generation and that, at that juncture Kaj Baruch said it's not going to happen this unity is going to fall apart only place that unity can actually stay in place and be totally complete and complete is with Tera. So the unity that they had around the mountain is has a true basis of unity, a true basis of love. As they stood by Hasinai, HaKadosh Baruch revealed to them their essence, the essence of Am Yisrael. And with Tera, he put within them Nafshay. He scored home and Shabbos Kufayim and Aleph. Where Akash Baruch Hu sets the Eden, Anechi Hashem Alekecha, I am God your God. And the acronym for the word Anechi is an Anafshik Savis Yehovis. My very soul, says Akash Baruch Hu, I am placing within this Tera 
and I'm giving to you, I'm bequeathing it to you. Yeah, bequeathing it to you. Bequeathing it to you. My whole essence. Is there an essence? Is there a nefesh? Is there a soul by the Kaddish Baruch But yet that is the expression that the Kaddish Baruch uses. He's giving his entire everything within the Teda to the Jewish nation. And thereby we learn that the preparation Chagashvuas is the strengthening of Avas Yisrael. The strengthening of feeding the person on the other side of the table. The strengthening of sharing even your two chickens. And therefore we need to always see to it that we help a fellow Jew to get closer to Teda and closer to Yiddishkeit. And again, the one that knows Aleph Beis teaches the one that doesn't know Aleph yet. So it's not a achtus, a superficial achtus, a superficial unity, but it's an achtus that evolves and revolves around Teda Emetsis. Therefore, one needs to know that it's dependent on one another. We're not going to build, Rome wasn't built overnight, but that's not the point. The point is that the Jewish nation stands united. We stand united together as we are together. That makes us a nation. The Mazich Magid said, on the Mishnah, Dam alamayla mimoch, know what's above you. So we could be able to pick Yavis now also, although it's from Peyek Sheni, not Peyek Shishi. Da you should know, he says, Shekol ma shekera alamayla, everything that happens above. Ba'ilam is ayenim, the highest, highest worlds, this happens because of you. Everything that happens above in the worlds and the spheres above are all because of the actions that we take on this world. So the person needs to see the world standing on the wet, the scales, the two sides of the scale. And with one deed, with one good deed, they could turn everything over and they could grasp the Teda. And with such a preparation, we are guaranteed that we merit the Kabbalah Sateda Besimcha Bepinius. But where do we find it in the name Bamidbar? We said that we read this Pasha before Shavuos because this is the preparation. But where do we find it in the Pasha or in the name? You look at the name of the Pasha Bamidbar in the desert, not just in the desert, Bamidbar Sinai, 
Technically, it should be called the Midbar Sinai, because that's what it's referring to. The desert of Sinai. <laughs> a desolate, devastated area. A desert. Neither water, near, near, nor vegetation, nor anything there. And here we're going to prepare in Kabbalah Satayda. What an oxymoron. Tayda is rich, Tayda is fruit, fruitful. Kiyem chayenu verechemenu gives us life, gives us longevity, gives us everything. And I'm telling you, beh. Beh. In the desert, where there's nothing, nothingness. Who wants to be in a desert? I mean, you can get some suntan. <laughs> I can't think of any other benefits in the desert. It's an unsettled place. Nothing growing. And then we look at the name of the desert, Sinai. Sinai comes from the word of sinna, hatred. As I'll say, why was it called Sinai? Shiar the Sinai the Elam Olav. If you keep your score at home, it's Gemara Shabbos Petes in the bottom of Amar Aleph. That hatred came down upon it. So how is it possible? It's Dafka in a desert, a desolate desert, and Dafka in a place called Sinai. That's where the preparation to Mount Taylor takes place. We can understand this based on the conditions that we are given for learning Taylor. The main preparation for Kabbalah Taylor is to alt control delete anything in, in our thoughts in our minds other than Tata. To totally garage sale. Going out of business. Everything else has to be put away, everything else has to be taken away, everything else has to be totally blank to everything. There's no room for anything but Tata. Nothing should disturb us during the study of Tera. We should be totally detached of any kind of disturbances, any kind of hindrances for our study of Tera. This detachment requires not only from the world and from anything that's not Teda but anything that's not connected to this person that's studying it this takes us involves us in a way
of Lilmeid Ulalamid to learn and to teach. And all parts, therefore, of the Teda are bound and grasped within this. But this is now a second stage in learning. When the person approaches his Teda, his, his studying, He needs to totally put himself together, pull, pull everything, all the resources in one pool, pull it all together for one and one and only purpose, to learn and to take away any kind of heart's desires or thoughts except for learning Teda. And this comes about where only in a desert a place where one cannot settle themselves. There are no people around you to bother you. There's nothing to take away your mind except for the snakes and scorpions and serpents and everything. But that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking to have that with any kind of distractions, human distractions. This is literally how a Jew needs to approach the greatness and learning of Tera. They need to feel as if they are sitting in a desert and there's nothing else but them and the tater that's with them now. As the sages, the Chazal tell us, Kol mi she'ene hefker, whoever doesn't make him as himself as if he's in a totally unowned desert, cannot acquire the Chachma and the Tera. But Dafkin the Midbar is not sufficient. Just the fact that it's a desert is not sufficient. It needs to be in Sinai. A sinner, a hatred. When the Jew approaches the Tera, it's not enough. They need to detach themselves from worldly worldly matters. But they need to feel, I don't even dream of wanting anything of the worldly matters. I don't, I, I despise anything in the worldly matters. I cannot tolerate anything in the worldly matters. Because this disturbs and disrupts the revelations of the light of Teda. Hence, when we saw Rabbi Shimon Bayechai came out of the cave after 13 years and saw mundane behavior, he almost burnt the world down. He just couldn't grasp where they come, how this comes together with godliness. This preparation for learning Teda causes that a person will succeed in the accepting the Teda will succeed in the learning of Teda. And then afterwards they can involve themselves to teach the Teda. 
in a way that's involved in worldly fashion. Because Chas Shalom, that one should hate the world. That's not what we're created for. We need to feed the other person on the cross the table. The concepts of the worldly matters that are not godly, that are not in the proper way and fashion, that one needs to avoid. But not only avoid them, not to eradicate them, but rather, rather turn them to good as well. And to re- reveal in them the true essence is only for Tera. Till the world itself becomes a Dirle Yisparich with Bias Mashiach Tzidkenu Bigaula Amitis Vashlema. May that be Amen speedily in our day. Tells us the posse with Abraham Mesha, Suez Reish Kaladas bin Israel again recounting as we spoke before about the counting of the Jewish nation. And Rashi explains because Mitechi Vasam Lefanov Mainaisim called Shah Kishyatsam Mitzrayim Manan. When they went out of Egypt, he counted them. When they fell down by the eagle, he counted them to see how many people survived after the golden calf. When the Shashchina came upon them, he counted them. As we said in the beginning, this is, shows us the value that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for the Jews, how much he valued them, counted them over and over. And it's not only for one moment. Rashi itself says about three different times that HaKadosh Baruch Hu counts the Jews. The intention thereby being and these are all different, totally different times. Two of the times when they came out of Mitzrayim, for example, and when they came, when the Shekhinah came to rest upon them. That's two of the three times that Rashi mentions there being the Jews being counted. I understand. These are special times. They changed entirely. Their stature changed entirely. The the Jew in Egypt and the Jew out of Egypt is total different stature. The Jew that was about to have the Shekhinah rest upon him was again a totally different stature. So I can relate to that, shall we say. Because by the Shekhinah, however, what I don't understand is 
after Chet Egel, after the sin of the golden calf, why were they counted? What moment, momentous moment of greatness, of beauty, transpired at that time? After the sin of the eagle, the sin of the golden calf, which we are still paying for till today. To count the Jews that didn't die by the Chet eagle. So why does Rashi put that in with the other two? Rashi says, "Kishenaflu beegel manon leida minyanon minyan hanitzarim." He counted after the eagle to know who was, remained alive. We find later, we find before in Pasha Shemini. Nadav and Aviyu, the two sons of Aram, passed away. And the Torah tells us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu then refers to Allah and Isamar, the other two brothers, and refers to them as Hanesorim, the children that remained, left over. And now she explains there that this expression, this phrase is because the truth of the matter is they too were culpable and should have been put to death because of the sin of the eagle. But still in all they did not die. They remained alive from the dead. They were saved. They were saved not just from a regular death, but a death that was actually decreed upon them as well. So now therefore, with that in mind, we can explain also when it comes to the counting of Israel after they fell by the eagle. Because that actual decree was a din misa on the entire Klal Yisrael. Vayichar api bahem vakalim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Mesha very, very clearly and specifically, I am really angry with them. I want to totally eradicate the Jewish nation. I want to wipe them all out. And he tells Mesha to sweeten the deal. I'll rebuild a new nation out of you. Your children and future generations will be a new nation. This one, I can't take anymore. And for that nation, I could measure Davin's 40 days and 40 nights to save their lives. Although the entire nation was slated to die. And these people survived. Therefore, now we understand, thereby we understand what was so beautiful about counting these people. Because they went out from Avdus Lechedus, they were counted. And of course, 
if they went from servitude to freedom, they were counted because they were an, entire new, an, an, an entirely new entity. So much more so when they go out, literally from the hands of death, how they should be counted. Another question flies across the table immediately. Why do we talk about the six million condition? The six million people that were killed at the sign of the Holocaust. Why do we not sit and count the people that survived? The survivors are the important number. The fact that the few <coughs> that survived they all walked that march. They all were pointed in the direction of the angel of death. They were all facing him. They all smelled the crematoriums. And yet, the number we reflect is those that passed rather than those that survived. This is a difference of one that passes away from a sin and one that dies al Kiddush Hashem. Each and every Jew, no matter what their background was, no matter where they came from and what they affiliated with, they were told, you're Jewish, and they even went as far as saying, your father's Jewish, that's good enough for us and therefore killed Al-Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name. And therefore, in a true fashion, each one was an entity of his own, was a holy neshama of its own. And therefore we count those numbers rather than the numbers of the survivors who are just as holy. And if you see a survivor today, especially if they have a number on their arm, and they still survive, they're still here to be here, to live with us, amongst us. Ask them for a bracha, ask them for a blessing. They have the power to bless, that's why they were left on this world. And therefore, we don't have to count them, the survivors. We know how holy they are. We know how holy they are to our Kaddish Baruch Hu by the fact that He let them live. And therefore, <coughs> they are the ones that we need to honor, revere, and respect. But, the Kedoshim that died in Kiddush Hashem with the word Shema Yisrael on their lips, in spite of everything they went through, those are the people that we commemorate. Pekiyavas Pedik Vov, the second Mishnah of Shabbat Levi, Shabbat Levi says, each and every day, Baskal Yetz is Marachelev, a Baskal goes out from the mountain of Marachelev, and Machrezes Vemeres calls out and says, Woe is to those people who affront the Tera.
Anyone that does not involve themselves in Teda, and he goes on to explain what the person unfortunately puts themselves down to. But he finishes off Elamisha Asik Misalmateda. One that involves themselves, involves themselves in the and someone who's even not only within Teda, but sees to it that they live with the Teda themselves. they're elevated, and it says, They went from one place to the other. From the place, Mamtana, the gift of Teda, to Nachliel, the heritage of God, and from Nachliel, they go to Bambais, to the highest of the three. Therefore, they stand, and they lift, as we said now, as we spoke this year, they elevate themselves with the Teda, and they bring themselves to a level which connects themselves as an inheritance to God, from God. An inheritance usually is different because the heir takes the place of the original owner. You come into inheritance. It's not conceived as a transfer from one person to the next. But the person that inherits, inherits it now is instead of the other person. And so too the one that inherits Teda is one with God, just like that engraved stone, and therefore is freed from all chains of anything in mundane in the world, and is referred to as the second and third, and the second, third of our Brisa, the concept of the cheder, of the freedom that a person has when they are totally involved in the study of Teda. Quickly, briefly, on board from Sechtis Seita the blessings of the Cain Godel Mishnah tells us how did it work it was called the person was called the Chaznach Nessus and he took Sefer and he gave it over to the head of the Knesses and he gave it over to the Skan his second in command the Skan gave it over to the Cain Godel Cain Godel stood and he read the Teda and ultimately talks about how he sits and reads the rest of the Teda and they're saying how could it be that he read the Teda sat and not allowed to sit in the temple except for David Melech himself and says no he did not sit in the actual temple he sat in the Ezra's Nashim and teaching us that one has to revere and has to always hold the greatness of God wherever they are and stand before God Shabbat Shalom to all.